0: Welcome to What Living Means. I'm Vanessa Jasinski. Have you ever wanted to be more self-reliant? 2020 highlighted how fragile systems like food supply can be in the event of sudden emergencies. Or maybe you aren't worried about food supply so long as there is toilet paper on the shelves. Gardening can be a unifying force. Community gardening in particular provides a place where generations of people can gather and cultivate both food and kindness. On this episode, we have two special guests that can speak to the power of planting seeds that reap rewards beyond the dinner table. Lamanda Joy is a published author, master gardener, educator, and founder of the Peterson Garden Project in Chicago. Inspired by a photo of a World War II victory garden hanging in her local butcher shop, LaManda built a community garden on an empty lot on Peterson Avenue and set out to teach thousands of people in our neighborhood how to grow their own food. Thank you, LaManda, so much for joining us. I am just absolutely floored by how you came up with the idea. Can you just tell us a little bit about the Peterson Garden Project?
1: Yeah, well, um, I had moved to Chicago and I lived in the condo and I really wanted to garden uh, because I'm from Oregon originally and I I grew up a food gardener. One February, I guess it was 2006, my husband woke up and said, should we buy a house? No, should we buy a yard? I'm like, yes, we should buy a yard. So we moved to a neighborhood and bought a yard with a house attached to it so I could put in my food garden. And in the process of doing that, you know, we're in this new neighborhood and I was driving around a lot and I joked that I have a medical condition called lot lust where I see an empty lot and I lust to put a garden there. Yeah. So I kept driving by this empty lot on Peterson Avenue. It was shortly after the market crash. So there was a lot of empty land on the north side of Chicago and people weren't developing it. So anyway, I kept rubbernecking around this lot. And um, one day I was at our local butcher and I was looking at this picture on the wall and I was like, what's that picture? They're like, oh, that was Victory Gardens during World War II. I was like, oh, that's really cool, Peterson Avenue. So I kept you know, staring at that picture while I was waiting for my chicken. And then uh, a couple of days later, I was driving by that lot and I was like, that's the lot from the picture. My husband was in the car for me. That's the lot from the picture. Wow. Almost killed us. So veered over and, <laughs> you know, mm. on top of that, I have greatest generation parents. So my mother was a Rosie the Riveter. My dad was in the occupied forces and they were very much that greatest generation. You know, no one's going to do it for you. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, we can do it together. It was after the crash. People were depressed and wanted something to do. I had started food gardening and blogging and realized that many people didn't know how to grow food and that Victory Garden story. And I was like, you know, I have a gift I can share with people. It was the first time I really felt like I had something I could contribute to people. And so that's how Peterson Garden Project started on that one lot on Peterson Avenue.
0: I love this story. It's such a beautiful story. And You know, you were talking about after 2010 and the crash, but even after COVID last year, you know, I was home a lot, but I yearned to garden or to do something that felt a little bit more connected. Have you seen that being the trend after when there is sort of catastrophic events or things happening that people turn to gardening?
1: Well, yes. I mean, there's that mental well-being piece of it and that connection with the earth, especially in cities. You know, you don't have as much green space. You don't have a lot of people, especially on the north side where I'm I'm living and where the Peterson Garden Project gardens are. There's a lot of apartment dwellers or condo dwellers. So I think that is really important. I have to say that COVID was very hard for Peterson Garden Project because couldn't do volunteer days couldn't get people together for orientation. Everybody was freaked out. Like it was really the hardest year that we've had in a lot of ways because, you know, it's a organization. So people have responsibilities, you know, we're not the landlord, it's a community thing. So everybody kind of has to do their part, but everybody was so stressed out that it it really made it hard. This year, back with a vengeance, like people are ready to, you know, <laughs> ready to volunteer and ready to come to those orientations and hooray. So-
0: so that's good. That is awesome. So what do you think in terms of for someone starting out with either a community garden or even just container gardens or something on their, you know, on their deck, what are the best crops or what would you
1: suggest? I would say herbs are the gateway for all of it because they're useful. They're easy to grow. You can see the biggest economic benefit from gardening. You buy one of those little plastic things of chives in the grocery store, you can buy a chive plant that's going to serve you for potentially years to come, depending on your growing situation.
0: What's the best way to grow these types of herbs or things? How would you suggest for a really tight space how to grow?
1: Containers are an absolute dream for any type of scenario. You know, you can use them from a decorative perspective if you have a house We used to have herb pots in our big garden. They were right by the kitchen. They were easy to get to. But I think for people that have limited space, certainly container gardening is a great solution. And there are some amazing self-watering containers out right now, which is one of the big challenges that people face. They're excited to grow, but they go out of town, they forget to water, they come back, their plants are dead. I'm like, oh, I'm a plant killer. I'm like, well, you just forgot to water (laughs) it. So I think, you know, starting out Container gardening is really the way to go. And, you know, consider a self watering container. There's some great stuff on the market now for that.
0: If someone were to build a community garden, what are some of the things or characteristics you'd look for in trying to develop a garden, especially when you're introducing it to neighbors and, and the community itself?
1: Well, with Peterson Garden Project, it was very much a moment in time that became a thing. So we really wanted to teach people how to grow their own food. We weren't so concerned with land acquisition or saving green space or long-term gardens for that matter. We call our gardens, pop-up victory gardens. And we've had 14 of them, you know, they come, we build the gardens and they're big gardens. The community builds it. They learn they're there for a couple of years. And then the owner may need to do something with their property. So in our case, we really wanted those gardens to be highly visible. We wanted people to drive by and say, what? They're doing a garden there? Does that mean I could grow a garden here? You know, we wanted them to inspire people, recruit, educate, and inspire the next generation of food gardeners. So I think that making it visible is really important. If you have something tucked way in the back, far away, not easy to access, it's going to be harder to get people to know that it's there or to, you know, want to participate because it might not be convenient. So I think something that's, Uh, Really visible is good. I think something in an area where you're going to get support from the local government. So in Chicago, we have an older system. And so, um, you know, getting them involved is really key because you, you have to in a lot of ways. There's a lot of rules in Chicago about water and fences and stuff like that. So I think that's important. Yeah. And then the community piece sort of builds itself if it's obvious we just promoted it originally with banners on the fence. We did send flyers out to the neighbors surrounding. It was right when Facebook was starting. So, you know, you could put something on Facebook and everybody saw it. It didn't, you know, there's no algorithm to keep it hidden. So that was really useful. Yeah. We've had to adjust to that over the years, but um, I find that people really like to be together and they just don't have the venues that they used to have, you know, like I don't know, church or choir, women's clubs or whatever it is that used to be sort of the fabric of society. It's not there anymore.
0: Yeah. And I think people are craving that.
1: Absolutely. You know, gardening is brings it home. It brings it real, you know, like the rain falls on everybody, the heat beats down on everybody, the the squirrels are going to snack on everybody's stuff. You know, it really, it, it really makes people human. It forces us to be more human in a way. So I think people really long for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have quite a few communities that have built out these community gardens. And what is so interesting about it is, well, first, you know, people are building community with one another, but you get such a vast age group of people that are involved in the gardening process. It's everybody. They all love participating in it. Do you see that with your gardens and even getting people involved that you wouldn't normally think would want a garden? How do you get them involved too?
1: Well, like I said, they kind of build themselves. We do have a lot of young families. Uh, you know, the parents are concerned with their kids knowing where food comes from. So there's that. There's singletons, you know, there's always representation of maybe a little bit of the older generation. and they are the best garden leaders, I will tell you, because they like to organize things. they want well, not all of them, but you know, we do find our best sort of garden leaders out of uh, the people that might have a little bit more time or you know, maybe had a a profession where they were leaders of some sort. So, yeah, it's really, you see a lot of everything in the gardens. I'm constantly surprised by sort of the sea of humanity that shows up to do it. The garden part's about 10% of it. Mm -hmm. It's really about people getting to know each other, the kids running through the aisles, becoming friends, people taking care of each other. I'll I'll tell you a little quick, funny story. We um, were meeting with a funder and this woman came in into the garden. It was a hot afternoon. So there weren't a lot of people there. I was like, would you mind telling these kind people what gardening is like for you? And she said that she had this tomato tree. She called it her tomato tree. It was a cherry tomato. And she loved that tomato tree and she loved to come visit it and take care of it and tend it. And it just made her happy. And then her best friend got cancer and she had to go and take care of her best friend. And she was so sad because her tomato tree. Yeah. So she was gone for a couple of weeks and she came back and someone had tended her tree for her. And then she ran into the people that had done it and they brought her the bags of tomatoes. And they said, we didn't know what happened to you, but we knew you loved your tomato tree. So we thought we would just take care of it for you. Ugh. And now they're going to be friends for life. Like they hang out together, you know, like there's opportunities for people to care for each other that you just we just don't get these days. And that's really the remarkable part is the humanity of it. I mean, people are, I believe people are good. And community gardens let you see that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And I think I can, I'm probably proof of this. As soon as I got my my garden this past year, I felt better already just tending to something and being able to pull basil off and put it in my salad so easily. I felt happy. I mean, it's almost like a little bit of a endorphin boost.
1: Yeah, actually, it is an endorphin boost. You know, when you play like a video game and you shoot the whatever and you get your coin or whatever, the same thing happens when you pull weeds. It's those little tasks, you know, they just get these little bursts of serotonin and you feel better. You know, there's a permaculturalist in Australia named G. F. Lawton, and he says all the world's problems can be solved in a garden. And I think that that's really true because you're talking about mental well-being. There's also low-grade exercise. You know, there, there's the um, studies that have been shown that, the microbes in soil make us feel better. Like we're meant to be doing things with earth. That's the normal thing, you know, <laughs> sitting sitting in your house and not talking to people, you know, being online all the time is the not normal thing. Something that everybody can talk about, you know, like I said, the rain pours down everybody, the sun fries everybody out, but like, oh, your tomatoes look great. No, I'm having bad luck with my, you know, whatever, you know, like it gives you something neutral to discuss, you know, it's not politics, not religion, yeah. you know, it's... Here's my stuff. <laughs>
0: and thank God for that.
1: <laughs> well, gardening makes you generous because you put all this effort into something and you're not going to let that stuff go to waste. <laughs> so you have to find find people to be nice to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does teaching others how to
0: grow food contribute to food security in your community?
1: We had a program that we started from the very beginning in in the garden called Grow to Give and about four to 10% of the plots are set aside for volunteers to grow food. So in a Peterson project garden, you know, there's four by eight raised beds and those are member beds. They do what they want with them. You know, they can grow for themselves. They can do whatever they want with it, but these grow to give beds are specifically for volunteers to grow food for local food pantries. Each of them are in a Chicago neighborhood. Each Chicago neighborhood has a food pantry of some sort. And so, The volunteers grow the food, they wash it, they process it, not process it, but just, you know, cut the leaves off, make sure it's clean. And then they take it to uh, the food pantries and share it that way. And that program has been really successful. We've donated, I think, eight tons of food over the past, since 2010. And it's really meaningful for the volunteers because sometimes people want to participate, but they don't want to take on a whole plot for themselves. And sometimes people just want to... Grow food for others, which is a really lovely thing. So that that program has been fantastic. Well, one thing we learned early on is we were all, you know, we're all veggie dorks. So we were growing fancy stuff, you know, like, you know, the heirloom this and that and brown cherries and this weird kale and, you know, stuff like that. And then we realized that the people that we were donating the food to just wanted the basics. They wanted cucumbers, tomatoes, basil, maybe zucchini, you know, like just absolute basics. So we fine-tuned our program over the years to you know, accommodate what is actually used by the uh, groups that we donate food to.
0: Why do some community garden projects fail?
1: You know, I think that the key word here is community. If you just build a giant garden without the people to tend it, it's just a giant garden that no one's going to tend. So I see that a lot, like, um, you know, like big sponsors want to drop money into a community and, you know, create this garden They're not working with the people that live there. They're not understanding what they want, what their needs are. And so if you're not involving the people that are walking by that garden every day, caring for that garden, feel that that garden is going to make a difference in their neighborhood, you're just going to have a lot of weeds. And so I think that I talk about that in my book. You know, it's so important. No community, no community garden.
0: caught up with Randy Miller, a Yes Communities leasing specialist based in Goshen, Indiana, to get an update on a community gardening project that is bringing the residents of Winchester Trails together to grow food and friendships. How has the reception been to the community garden at Winchester Trails? So at
2: first it wasn't like huge, it was just brand new. Um, we sent, you know, information out, flyers. Um, we had a few residents stop in and say they would definitely be interested in getting some plots. So it started with just maybe a handful of people. And then our maintenance guy, he also has filled with some other things and he delivers to the community on growth that he has from that portion. But since they've seen the growth in the garden, we have had lots of people interested in possibly doing it next year. Can we expand it if it's not big enough? So I'm thinking next year it will be even more involved.
0: What made you guys decide to do a community garden? Was there somebody with a green thumb at the community that was like, you know, this would be a great idea? So Chaz does some growing just out of buckets
2: and things like that. And he would take to residents, just drop them off at their door, like tomatoes, zucchinis, things like that. And so I just kind of thought we have this open lot that can't really fit a normal size home. And I said, what about doing some sort of a community garden? And Chaz obviously was big time on board with that. And we got the okay from the higher ups and now we've got it going. So this is the first year. It's only been a few months, but it's looking really good. Very full.
0: That's awesome. And so the level of participation, are there quite a few residents and are there kids involved in the community garden? What does that look like? So I haven't seen any kids down there, but we definitely have residents. It's usually early in the morning, later in the evening
2: when they're down there watering and weeding and things like that. But um, sometimes we'll have a couple different residents at the same time, and you can see them interacting with each other, which is really nice as well. Them just getting to know each other.
0: What do they do with a lot of the crops? Do they share them? Do they keep them for themselves?
2: I would assume the residents would keep them for themselves, but
0: if they have overabundance, they probably do
2: donate. Um, Like I said, Chaz, anything that he gets from that section, he'll just fill bag and put it on someone's door handle and just continues to do that. Or if he sees residents out walking, he'll ask them if they want anything. And that kind of gets the conversation started about it.
0: So that way, if
2: they're interested, possibly
0: for next year. So what is like the most predominant crop? Watermelon, cantaloupe, tomatoes, kind of the
2: basic onions, green peppers, hot peppers. So there's a variety of things out there.
0: So what's your favorite aspect of participating in the garden? Honestly, I think it's just being able to provide a place for the residents to be able to
2: grow grow their own produce. And like just from start to finish, they're, you know, planting the seeds, they're watering, they're weeding, they're getting the final product. I think that can be super great just for kind of your psyche. You know what I mean? Just from start to finish something that you've done. So um, I've enjoyed just being
0: able to provide a place for them to do that. Well, I'm excited to hear in the future. Uh, you know, some of the things that are happening in the garden and relationships that are building from that shared sort of fun aspect of gardening. So I think that'll be great.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's been really great so far. So excited to see how it kind of grows over the next couple of years.
0: Thank you for listening to What Living Means. If you've enjoyed our show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. I'm Vanessa Jasinski, and I'll see you next time.